Welcome to Woke and Wired, a new conversation about expanded consciousness and entrepreneurship. We are here to shift the paradigm of business and marketing and social media in this digital age of infinite possibility and bridge our inner technology, our intuition with outer technology through rituals, personal development tools, conscious business practices, spiritual tools, and the magical tool of social media. I am your host, Xenia, storyteller, conscious social media teacher, speaker, and a multidimensional traveler. Welcome to the new paradigm. Welcome back to Woken Wired. I'm your host, Xenia, and today my guest is my friend, Carol Arevalo. She is a Peruvian visionary artist based in Brooklyn, who I met in a cacao ceremony. Cacao has brought in so much magic and so many incredible connections into my life, and now I'm seeing it unfold for others as Aaron Eber and I are hosting the five-week cacao portal experience. We are already thinking about doing another one starting June 14th, so if you are interested, I'm going to link to it in the show notes. We're going to be sitting with the medicine of cacao and exploring how to create your own cacao ritual in a way that supports your own creativity and connection to your own divine guidance and intuition as well as your body. In this episode, Caro and I speak all about our cacao rituals and the role it plays in our lives, what Cafe Inacoli, which is her Instagram handle, means, her fashion blog story, their relationship between art and inner world, why she changed her major from finance to art and what it ended up leading to, how plant medicine led her to becoming an artist, art as a way to fall in love with nature, Carolina's spiritual journey, and how she has worked on healing her female lineage. She also shares the true story behind bartending to be able to support her artwork, and then deciding to go full in and quitting her side jobs to give full attention to art. I get a lot of questions from artists about how to grow your online presence and use social media to bring some money into your business. And in this conversation, Caro shares her story of trusting the divine flow and quitting her job to be able to support herself with her artwork. We also talk about YouTube and how one of her videos went viral without her even realizing it and how she achieved it without really any strategy in mind, just by going with the flow where the most alive energy was. And we talk about not caring what other people say about your work and staying committed and staying in your lane. I am so excited to introduce you to Caro Arevalo. I know you will love her as much as I do. And if you're listening to this in May 2020, on May 25th, it's a Monday, of 2020, Caro is a guest presenter in the Woken Wired portal, which is a community membership portal where we have monthly calls with me where I share downloads for the month and answer any questions, whether that's business or spiritual based, really representing Woken Wired values right there. And this is going to be the first guest teacher. 
Carol will be guiding us through a creativity ritual, and we will also be drinking cacao, which is optional, just to open our hearts a little more in the beginning of the call. So if you're called to join, I'm going to link to it in the show notes, Woken Wired Portal. I honestly am rethinking my offerings right now, and I don't know how long this offering in this community will exist in the way that it exists now for. I am really considering giving a lot of my energy, if not all of it, to relaunching the Conscious Social Media Program, and I just received a missing piece of the puzzle today that I'm still sitting with. And I believe in surrender, and I believe in divine timing, and I knew there was a reason why I wasn't being given a new date for Conscious Social Media Program, and now I know why. I'm not going to give away everything because it's still coming together, but I'm going to hint at it, and it has to do with TikTok. And if you keep hearing me talk about TikTok and the immense 5D possibility that exists on the platform, I am releasing new episodes of my TikTok experiment both here on the podcast as well as on YouTube. I'm going to link to it all in the show notes, so if you're curious to tap into that, you can listen or watch. Oh, and if you want to experience the creativity ritual with Karo and you're not available, you're listening to this after, probably I will have the recording somewhere. So just reach out to me or go to Woken Wire Portal and find all the details there. And before I present you to Karo, I also wanted to say thank you, Karo. She invited me to contribute to her online course, Rituals Around Creativity, and I am recording a lesson on Conscious Social Media, where I share a very condensed, very actionable, and very potent version of all my teachings. It's so fun to collaborate with like-minded people with similar values. All right, here is Karo. If any part of this conversation speaks to you, please share it on your Instagram stories and tag at WokenWired and at Caffeina Coley so that we can see it and share it and take it in with our hearts. And if you haven't yet left a rating and a review for Woken Wired on iTunes, please do so as it doesn't contribute financially to this project, but it certainly contributes on an energetic level. All right, Caro, we both just finished our cacao ceremonies and you just told me you have your feet soaking in what? It's Epsom salts, lavender, and a little lemongrass. Very nice. Yeah. So I met you a couple of years ago at a cacao ceremony that was led by Florencia Friedman, who was a guest on episode 14. And we sat next to each other. You were to my left. I remember it really well. And there was just something about you. You know, when you meet someone and you make a mental note, okay, like there's something about this human. I'm magnetized by them. I need to know more about them. And I didn't know you were an artist. I didn't know you were connected to the plant kingdom the way that you are and cacao. And I had a chance to visit your studio before the quarantine started. And it was so magical. And I'm just so excited to have this conversation with you about plants and your art and social media and YouTube. There's so much I'm excited to get into with you. I hear you. Me too. And actually, I love that you said that about that cacao ceremony because I actually felt the same. That was my first cacao ceremony ever. And 
I was meeting a friend that I only know through Instagram. She ended up not showing up, but having you being such a loving human next to me talking and sharing, and it just made me feel so grounded since I got into the X Marks loft, that that's where we had the cacao ceremony. So thank you for that moment. It was amazing. I love that. It's so cool how when we tune into what's meant to be and all the timelines that are unfolding, like everything is just divinely orchestrated and all it takes is for us to get present to that. I love that. And I hear that. It's the messages are just coming our way all the time. And it's it's just a matter of if we want to hear them or not. Yes. So speaking of messages, let's start with your Instagram account. If you guys want to follow along, it's Cafe Inacoli. Can you explain what the name means? Because I keep trying to understand what it means and I don't. (laughs) It's just a made up word. It was back in college that me and two friends, we wanted to start this fashion blog together. But one of them was pretty shy to say who she was. So she gave us the idea of just getting nicknames, and I had never used a nickname. So somehow I just put two words that at the moment meant a lot for me together. The first one is cafeína, which is caffeine in Spanish. And I think it was around when I was 11 that I just got hooked into coffee. And I bought myself an espresso machine. And at the time, I was having like 16 espressos every day, which is crazy. But it meant a lot for me because I started being up at the wee hours. And that's when I started getting to know a little of my personal inner world. And the second word, coli, comes from E. coli, which I had when I was a kid. And, you know, I was around like seven or eight years old when I got E. coli and I didn't really understand what it was. So my pediatrician showed me some microscopic images of E. coli and that's when my interest in the micro world started. So I just stick to Cafeina Goli and that's what it's been since then. That is crazy. Have you shared the story before? I think I haven't. It's such a weird story and a lot of people ask, but it's so long to explain that I just say, <laughs> I'll just tell you another day. <laughs> okay, well, now you know where to send people when they ask. Yes. So, okay, before we move into the micro world and how exactly that manifests in your reality, your Instagram profile says, let's create magic. That's all it says. And there's a sparkle magic emoji, eyes, and a plant. So what is it that you actually do? So I'm an artist. I paint and I paint everything related to our inner worlds. I My paintings are very inspired by my family comes from the Amazon in Peru. And the Amazonian Cosmovision talks a lot about how everything is connected and how we are just divided in small organisms so we can all work together in symbiosis. So pretty much my paintings talk about that connection we have in between all living organisms. And that's what I do. I paint. I also share a lot about my life, about sustainability through my social media accounts. And my Instagram profile just says, let's create magic, because I feel that's the end message that I want to send to the world and what I feel we are here to create. I feel that this life is a play. It's a beautiful practice for just something bigger that we all have different ideas of what we're doing flying in this rock in space. 
But at the end of the day, I feel we are here to share love and create magic, be it art, be it music, be it poetry, be it finance, whatever we're creating. I feel that we are just here in order to create magic because I feel we are magic. So when did your fascination with plants start? It's a very funny story because as I was sharing with you, my family is from Tarapoto, which is in the jungle in Peru. And I was, I grew up in Lima, which is in the coast and it's the capital city of Peru. So I'm pretty much a city girl, but since I was young, I would always go and visit my grandparents in the jungle. And the first couple of visits that I had to the jungle, I pretty much just freaked out because my grandparents' house was this house with an open patio, which is pretty much 80% of the house. And you would just have all these different animals coming in and out. So for the first time, I felt that animals and plants controlled the space and humans didn't. I was used to living in the city where we humans are in control of everything. And plants are only when we where we have parks. So I think that was the first interest that I ever had. Just being like, oh man, in this part of the world humans are not in control. And I was pretty fascinated by, by that idea. And I say that it's a pretty interesting story because it really wasn't until I moved to New York in 2013 that I started tapping both into my inner consciousness and into a deeper fascination about the plant world, about the fungi kingdom, about just everything that surrounds us that implies nature. So I think it's pretty interesting that even though I lived in Peru for 23 years, I just tap, I tapped really deeply into the plant fascination once I moved to New York. So when you were in New York, what did it actually look like? Were you tapping into plant medicine or was it getting house plans? How exactly on a practical level did that fascination manifest? So I moved here in 2013. I finished college in Peru in 2012. And what did you study? I studied printmaking. So I have a bachelor's in fine arts with a major in printmaking. And actually, before studying printmaking, I studied management for a year. I My sister is also an artist. She's five years older than I am. And for the longest time, I just had this wired idea on my brain that she was the artist in the family and I had to study something more related to finance. I don't really know where that idea came from, if it was like a seed from my parents or if it was something that I just like a story that I came up with. But after a year in finance, I realized that that really wasn't what I wanted to do. So I changed majors and I moved to the art faculty and I remember that in 2011, my sister and I did a trip together to Tarapoto in the jungle of Peru, and she invited me to my first ceremony ever. I was 21 at the time, and we went to a temazcal. And I remember in that temazcal, I was already about to finish art school. I just moved to the arts by pure intuition. I didn't really, I wasn't drawing the type of artwork that I do today. I didn't really have an art style. So in that Temazcal ceremony, I just surrendered and asked Great Spirit to show me my medicine. 
And two years later, I moved to New York. And in those two years, I started drawing all this like little dots and mandala looking artwork. And that's where I kind of got fascinated by the plant kingdom because I don't know if you're familiar with the mascal. I've not had a direct experience with it. So will you give us a little bit of background of what it is and how it works? Yes. So a temazcal is pretty much like a hot lodge where you have pretty hot rocks. And oh, then it's just a lodge. Yes, I've uh-huh. done that in Mexico. Yes. 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 And yes. the rocks are pretty hot. So then you just use like a smudge of herbs and water. So then you start breathing all these different plant medicines. It's not a psychedelic experience. It's just plant medicine. So that's when I got a little interested in the plant kingdom. And once I moved to New York, I both started getting more interested into herbalism. And at the same time, I started experimenting with psychedelics. And that's how my fascination with the plant world started. Would you say that it was a direct result of this Temescal ceremony? I believe so, because right after Temescal is when I started drawing all this mandala-looking artwork that I do up until today, and I never did anything of that sort before, and this felt like I wasn't the one drawing, and this wasn't coming from my own psyche. It was, I don't know, I just felt these were downloads. And I had never felt more secure that this is the type of artwork that I had to do. And that all started after Temazcal. And that's when I realized, huh, this was such an interesting experience. So I started tapping more into spirituality and somehow spirituality and the plant kingdom, both of them started working in union with me, if that makes any sense. Definitely. So how did tapping into spirituality look like for you at the time? And what does it look like now? So when I moved here in 2013, I was living with two roommates. One of them was a friend that I met in Peru. We went to the same school for one year. And the other girl was her best friend. And we lived in Bushwick at the time. And we had this railroad apartment. So my room was the room in between their rooms. I had no windows and my room only fitted my bed, (laughs) which is insane. (laughs) You wouldn't be a Brooklyn artist unless you had a crazy apartment story. I know, right? So the apartment sucked. It was amazing living with them because we were very close. And I feel that's the only way we could have done that kind of situation. But I realized that if my outer world looked not as pretty as I wanted to look, and it, of course, was challenging, I would wake up and it would be night all day, every day because of the no window situation. But that's when I decided, okay, if this outer world is not as pretty as it could be, I'll start tapping into my inner world. And I feel that was also kind of the reason why I moved to New York. I think I had this urge to get to know myself more. And, you know, during my college years, I had a typical story. I feel all of us or most of us have had it. I pretty much just spent all college drinking during the weekends and being numb because I feel I was pretty scared to get to know myself. And when I moved here, I decided it was time. I was here in a city where I only knew one person and I was ready to just tap into my inner worlds. And I don't know, I was, I felt ready to start working with my shadows as well. And 
that first year, I made a series of artwork that I called Visions of a Healing Journey. And at the time, I was smoking a lot of weed in a medicinal kind of way. I wasn't like smoking weed and partying. I was smoking weed and staying in and tapping into my inner worlds. And both the plant medicine and painting, well, at the time it was drawing, I wasn't painting at the time, really became a healing journey for myself. So my first year in the city, I was going to school and then I was just coming straight to my apartment to draw and do therapy with with myself and with the arts. And that's how spirituality started. I still am very grateful for what wheat brought to my world. And that same year, I actually stopped smoking and I realized that that wasn't serving me anymore. And that's when I started tapping into other kind of herbs. Let's say right now I'm working with Damiana. Before Damiana, I've been working with Blue Lotus. And I realized that there are so many other herbs that we can work with that will serve us in different ways. So herbs and spirituality have always been linked together for me. But after that healing journey and that I felt I healed a lot of my childhood and my adolescent years. And the next years to come, more and more, I started becoming more fascinated by the outer world. And it's pretty interesting because I feel I had to heal from the inner world in order to be able to share and see what the actual planet had to offer to me. And that's when I also started being fascinated by, you know, how the plants function and how sacred geometry works. And that's when I started including those in my paintings. And let's see, you ask, I can just talk forever. So I want to, (laughs) I want to go back to the question, which was how spirituality looks for me now. So I kind of explained how spirituality looked at that point when I just moved here. I think at that point, it was a lot of diving into my inner world, healing a lot of things that I wasn't ready to look when I was younger. And that included talking to my parents and healing a lot of things that we had never talked about and also recognizing myself. When I was growing up, I was very insecure. I had very low self-esteem. And those first years here helped me a lot to hug myself and see myself as a younger kid in order to know that it was fine to feel that way there, but that that wasn't serving me anymore. And I was able to heal that, which I'm very grateful for, because at some point I felt I would always have that like shadow and low self-esteem shadow working with me. But that's how it looked at a first glimpse and how it looks nowadays. As I mentioned earlier, the artwork that I do, I feel up until today, it's not only something that comes from my imagination. I feel it's something that comes from something bigger than myself. And I feel I'm only a vessel. So spirituality has a very important role in my painting and in my day-to-day life. Because in order to keep that vessel clean, I feel I have to be a clean person. I don't know really how to say that in other words. Right. You're like a clean container, clean vessel, pure vessel. Yes. So I feel that the 
more of a pure vessel that I can be, the more I can channel a clearer message. A few directions. I'm excited to take this, but the first one is you mentioned working with plants like Damiana. Mm-hmm. What does working with plants look like for you? You know, do you make a concoction and then you sit with it and meditate with it? Or what exactly is your process of connecting with that world for everyone listening who is fascinated by it and would like to try it on? It really starts and it's always been very intuitive for me. I usually just hear about a plant or see a plant and get interest by it. And then I do a little research of what it does. So let's say a year ago, I got very interested about how Damiana looks. It's, it is this very little yellow, pretty sweet looking flower. And maybe for the past five months, I started realizing that I wanted to tap into my femininity and also I feel there's something in my feminine lineage that needs to be healed. And right before quarantine, I remember I was taking a shower and I started asking myself, am I ready to do the work that my feminine lineage hasn't really healed? And then again, Damiana showed up again. And I realized that Damiana is a plant that works with us in our sensuality and on our feminine side. So what I do is I make myself a concoction. I make myself a tea of Damiana and I work for it for as long as I feel I need to work with it. I don't like to be drinking a lot of different herbs at the same time. I like to just focus on one and work with it. So usually I will sit with it for five months or more. Right before Damiana, I was working with Blue Lotus and I worked with Blue Lotus for pretty much nine months. And I stopped Blue Lotus when I felt that I was diving into the dream state a lot and I wanted to tap more into physical stuff. And that's when I started working with Damiana And there's really a lot of information online for every plant that we want to work with. And also when we're working with different herbs, it's pretty important to know that there's some herbs that shouldn't be mixed with another one. That's a great point. So your artwork, and if you guys haven't seen it yet, imagining there's a lot of existing fans listening, but if you haven't seen it, it's just absolutely stunning. And being in the presence, Caro, of your artwork, It just feels like you become part of the plant kingdom. There's just not just the meticulous details of the micro world, but there's also that connection to spirit and all that is. And like that micro representation of the plant world is mirroring the macro of all of consciousness that holds all of us. So I actually have one of your pieces as my background on my phone. And I have for a couple of months now. I love it so much. So you have a a YouTube video that went viral that is called Art Studio in Brooklyn. (laughs) And let's see, I'm curious. Let's start here. At what point did you realize that you had a particular style that you were very connected to and that you wanted to stick to? And then from there, we can get into, you know, at what point did you start sharing your work online and what role that played? So... I think it all started after that Temas call. At first, I only had these mandalas and dots on my sketchbooks, and they just started spilling out of my hands. And I didn't really know 
anything about Tibetan mandalas or what mandalas meant, but I was just doing all this centric, circular-looking figures. And at the point, they were very abstract. So at the point, I wasn't really working with any visual plants or animals or fungi like I do nowadays. So I didn't really understand where all of this was coming from, but I just couldn't stop making it. And I had never felt that way before. So that was also a breaking point when I felt that for the first time I was able to play since I was a kid. And that was pretty interesting because, you know, in art school or at least the art school that I went to, you need to justify everything that you're making. So if I would start sharing these mandalas with my class, I needed to know what they meant. What was I trying to achieve with them? And of course, at the point, I had no idea because I was they were just spilling out of me. And I didn't really know how to justify them for my art teachers. And somehow this text by Carl Jung appeared on my hands. And I don't know if you know that Carl Jung also painted and he painted mandalas. And they are amazing. You need to see them. He has like over 600 mandalas paintings. And the Red Book, which is a book by Carl Jung, has most of them in there. So this text by Jung appeared on my hands and it said, that he didn't know where these mandalas were coming from, but somehow he sensed that they were related to his inner psyche. And that's the text that I used to justify my art making to my art teachers at the moment. And as I had never really felt anything like this before, I just kept on working on them and I kept on doing them. And I felt that every time that I sat down to draw, I had a meditation and a healing going inside of me while I was making this artwork, which at the point I didn't do yoga, I didn't meditate. So this was my only type of meditation. And that's the reason why I stick to it. And I also felt, oh my God, these are actually pretty good looking. (laughs) And I never felt that about any other type of artwork that I ever did. So I felt that there was a very important message to share with the world. And at first, when I would only share it with my friends or my closed ones, everyone would say, wow, this is speaking to me about something that I don't know how I know it, but it looks familiar. So everyone had this same reaction, like, wow, I feel I've been here, but I don't know when. So at the time, I would see my drawings as maps of our inner psyche. And I feel that as I started getting to know more of my outer world and feeling more comfortable in the outer world, that's when I started incorporating things from the outer world in my paintings. And, you know, I grew up being very introvert and shy. So whenever that shyness kind of started dissolving and I felt very happy to share to the outer world, that's when my paintings first of all, became paintings because at first I was only doing black and white drawings and they gained color and they gained objects and living creatures from the outer world. And I just started feeling this necessity to share it with the world because I felt they were making me very happy and I felt that they would also make other people happy. I felt that just getting to know more of the natural kingdoms made me feel that I really wanted to take care of the planet. And I started realizing maybe if some other people start seeing this pretty artwork, 
they will fall in love with nature and they will want to take care of nature. And I felt this was my reason of being and that's what I was in the world for. So that's when I started getting this urge to share in the outer worlds. And actually that's how YouTube started. And it was kind of a thing that I wasn't really looking into making. So of course, when I started making the paintings and I felt that I wanted to share them with the world, I started sharing them on Instagram and I started showing them in shows around Bushwick and Brooklyn. And I never, I didn't even know that YouTubers were a thing. (laughs) I started sharing my paintings in 2014. And of course, I only did this through Instagram, through Behance, which is an art portfolio social media thing. And I started doing some art shows here and there. And then... I think this is something important we actually haven't talked about. While I was doing all this like introspective spiritual work and painting, I was also bartending. And I was bartending six shifts a week in five days. And every free time that I had, I would paint. So I didn't go out. I didn't hang out. I didn't like walk around the city. I was so focused on my work that that's the only thing that I was doing besides working at the bar. So I saved up a lot of money. So in 2017, I decided that I would only have two bar shifts instead of six. And I would dedicate all the rest of my free time to my artwork. And when you made that decision, were you already making any money on your art? I was, but I was making very little. I was selling prints here and there. I had an Etsy shop at the time, but I was pretty new into sharing and selling through the internet. But I just had this very intuitive feeling like this is what I should do. And that year I made my first mural for a yoga studio. And I had already had an art studio in Bushwick. And I don't know, I just felt this is what I need to do. And I'm going to try this. And I didn't think that I would be able to have only two bartending shifts for long. I thought this was going to be a summer thing. And then I would have to go back to bartending. I just felt ready to dive deeper into my craft. Yes. So I just said, fuck it. And I did it. Um... And I realized that I only, I didn't really only wanted to paint. So I decided, okay, then I'm going to learn something new. And I learned how to edit videos out of YouTube videos. So that was after you took down your shifts, you had the time to actually learn video editing and that's when you did it? Exactly. So I only had two bartending shifts. I learned how to edit videos like pretty rough. I knew how to cut, paste and put songs. So I said, okay, what do I have in handy? I have my art studio. So I grabbed my phone. I filmed a lot of images and a lot of short videos for my art studio. I put it together in Premiere Pro and I shared it on YouTube thinking, okay, every time someone asks me about my art studio, I'll just share this link with them. And at the point, I believe I had like 7,000 followers on Instagram. So there was already a little following there. And people were asking about my art studio. So I thought, okay, I'll just share this link with them. 
and I completely forgot about the YouTube channel. I didn't even know what a YouTube channel was. I didn't know there were YouTubers and people that made money out of it. So this was in July 2017, I believe. And then in December 2017, I go to YouTube to do a yoga with Adrian class. <laughs> and I realized that there's this little bell, red bell on the top right hand of YouTube with a lot of notifications. And I realized that I have 12,000 followers. And I'm like, how did this even happen? I didn't even know that was a thing. So I started reading through the video's comments and I see that the video had all these views and people were requesting that I do more videos. So I'm pretty confused at the point. <laughs> see, I didn't realize that. I looked just now at your YouTube videos, the oldest ones. You had put two like random little videos and this was the video that went viral that has 1.2 million views as of April 2020, it's your third video ever. Yes, because I didn't know anything about the YouTube platform at the time. So you were just following your gut. Yes, I just did the video. I was having fun, but I started reading all these comments. I realized, okay, there's a following here. People are liking what I'm doing. And then the next thought was, okay, but who are these 12,000 followers? Who are they? I have no idea about anything about them. And then I realized most of them were women and most of them were in between their 13 and 20 years old. And when I started reading all the comments in the video, or some of them were requesting more about my lifestyle and my beliefs. And I that's when I decided, okay, I'm going to do more videos because I would love to be able to hear myself when I was a teenager, because I feel that being a teenager was hard. And I always think, wow, I cannot even imagine being a teenager in the era of Instagram. And we're talking about 2007, where everyone is uh, selling you skinny tea or like make your lips bigger. And it's that time of Instagram. And I felt, wow, I would love to be a voice that talks about other stuff that is not skinny tea. Because I would think a lot about teenage girls growing up in that era, and I thought that might have been a nightmare for them. So that's when I decided, okay, I'm going to share more about my voice and my beliefs and my art. And I was very shy to do so. But at the point, I also decided I don't want to make an art channel. I want to make a me channel. I want to feel free to share whatever I want to share, be it sustainability, zero waste lifestyle, painting, having fun. I don't know, just anything that comes to mind. So I made a video about this is not an art channel. And nowadays, I'm so happy to be able to share my life through that platform. And it happened without me wanting to. But it that also reminds me and brings me back to it's so interesting whenever we are not putting an in like pressure on something to happen things just start flowing and I feel that's how this channel just came to life yes I get a lot of questions on all, all my different platforms from artists saying hey as an artist what kind of advice do you have for growing my social media following and you know what I'm noticing in what you're sharing Caro is this thread of 
I shared it because it made me happy. I was sharing it because it felt right. You know, so I think the most important invitation is to follow that thread of what feels right and expansive and exciting and what makes me happy. And I also love this extra layer of invitation. You know, what would I tell my teenage self? Because we all have our teenage selves within us. So you speaking to your younger self doesn't mean that limits you to people who are younger than you. It really just means speaking your truth. And I I think having an avatar of kind of who you're speaking to can be really helpful, especially if you're shy with speaking to the camera. You know, I'm very shy speaking to the YouTube camera. I'm fine with Instagram, but there's something about YouTube (laughs) coming that makes me very shy. So I just imagine that there's a particular person or kind of person or my younger self that I'm speaking to. And that gives me a lot of freedom. Yes. And looking back into why I keep doing this nowadays is because I feel that we all have a story to share. And when I feel, when I'm sharing my story, I feel other people's feel permission to share theirs. Let's say when I see your creations, I get excited and I want to share my own. So I love how that is just such a contagious, happy energy. And on another point, actually today in Cacao Circle, we were talking about what is that thing that brings us joy? So today we were talking about, I feel inner joy when blank. And what I realized is that I feel inner joy whenever I am sharing from a place of love. And some days that means sharing my art and sharing how I love to hustle. And some other days it means sharing how much I love nature. And some other days it means sharing that I also need to rest and eat junk food sometimes. So whenever we are creating something in a playful and intentioned way that comes from a place of love, everything just flows. And I know it's easier said than done, (laughs) but it's our everyday practice. And at the end of the day, whenever we're able to tap more and more into our heart space, everything just flows more natural and things that we actually want to attract start coming our way, which is crazy to me. I know it's crazy, but it's also so natural, you know? There's like a human part of us like, this is crazy. There's no way, but there's this hard part of us that's like, oh, of course, you know, this is our birthright, all of us. So in your experience, you know, something that I love talking a lot about is this combination between intuition and strategy and how I find that the most powerful thing for me is to make my decisions not from strategy, but from intuition and then adding some strategy on top of it just to amplify it, but not the other way around, which is my natural way. And I've been rewiring that. So your video went viral and without any strategy, without thinking behind it, you didn't even know what was happening. And what were the next steps when you saw that, you know, what did you do? So I started sharing what came up to me at first, like, oh, okay. So at the point I was very into making my full moon ritual. So I shared a video on my full moon ritual. And I also had this I really wanted to share more about like the spiritual part that I hadn't really shared before. And that's when I did the full moon ritual. And I just started sharing a lot of different routines because that's what I feel has made me able to do what I do nowadays, that I'm a full artist. And at the same time, it's what really brings me joy and makes me able to 
schedule my day and work from a grounded place instead of being all over the place, especially having art studio that is in my apartment. It can be very tricky. If I'm all over the place, how do I even start working? What if I just lay in bed all day? So I started sharing more about my daily routines. And I know you are very big on the morning routine situation as well. So that's what I started sharing, just more about my life and more about, I don't know, I'm so in love with planet Earth. And I'm so grateful for how every action we take in our day-to-day lives which shop we buy from, how do we talk, how do we share, where is our intention coming from can actually make such a big difference in reality in how our planet is doing. So I also share a lot about that, a lot about my art process. And that's how I just kept on developing it. Of course, I'm an artist and I love visual things. I love beautiful visual scenarios. So I think I have the eye to make things that look pretty. I also actually moved to New York because I wanted to pursue a photography career. And I also have kind of that photography I developed on me. It's just like how I am wired to work. So I think that's part of a strategy that really works. I'm never doing or producing something just because it looks pretty, but because of the essence that it has. And I love how visual beauty can be unified with hard intention. Yes. And I also really love what you shared about how you create videos that feel alive and present for you, because I think there's this something that I've been thinking a lot about is I know exactly what niche to pick if I really wanted, you know, my social media channels to grow. But I also don't want to box myself in a niche and talk about a certain thing that I know people resonate with because there's so much more to what feels alive for me on a daily basis. So the fact that you're honoring that more big perspective that perhaps adds more value to those who truly connect to what you share and not just a certain aspect, you know, like here's my studio or here's just my art and how I create it, but the whole view into your inner world and your lifestyle. Yes, and I feel it's so important what you just said, staying true to the essence that you want to share with the world. Because if we are talking about how visual beauty can be a strategy, well, I could also be, I don't know, making all my videos wearing a lot of makeup or even get plastic surgery or I don't know, there's so many things that I could do to even grow my following more because you know those things work but that's not who I am. So there's a lot of things that even though I know would bring numbers and following and likes up, they are not really true to myself. So I really want to stick to that. And if that means getting less following, and if that means getting, I don't know, more dislikes, a lot of people comment on my videos and say that I should just shut all the spiritual part of my life and not talk about that on YouTube and just share my art. Yes. And well, there's a lot of haters on YouTube and that's a whole other topic, but that's not who I am. And that's not what I want to share because spirituality is such an important part of my daily life and my art creation. So I'll just stick to that, even though that might mean getting a lot of unfollows. I'm not really stuck into Let's put it this way. My objective is not getting 
the biggest following. My objective is inspiring at least one person out there. And whenever I get messages of people that I don't know, and they are saying, hey, thanks to you, I'm, I have been tapping back into my creativity. That's the main reason why I do what I do. And I feel that whenever I took the decision of just doing things that really feel aligned to me and not because I want to get more money or get a bigger following, that's when I realized that this intuitively is what I need to do. And now that we're on that topic, let's say, let's talk about YouTube ads and not about AdSense, like the videos that you get when you monetize your videos, exactly sponsored posts. By the way, I loved what you did on Breakfast Criminals page about not doing sponsored posts. I feel that's such a brave move. And I also love the podcast that you did just by yourself talking about all the expectations and how things didn't turn the way you thought at first. And just that lesson, oh my God, Xenia, that was... That was something big. But what I want to say about this is I took the, whenever my YouTube started growing and I started getting requests to make sponsored videos, I realized that I only want to partner with brands that are eco-friendly and sustainable and take care of planet Earth as much as I try to do on my daily life. And of course, these are the brands that are smaller business that don't have the amount of money that bigger corporate brands that trash the planet can have. And you know, I am not rich. <laughs> Sometimes I struggle, but I don't want to make money with a company that doesn't feel aligned to my essence. And this was such a brave and difficult decision to take, but I'm sticking to it. And it's been also so amazing to see how these brands just start appearing that they are actually taking care of planet Earth. And it's such a tricky move to make because there's also a lot of greenwashing companies out there. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about that, what that means? So greenwashing pretty much is that any brand can put in their products the label eco-friendly and it doesn't need to mean anything. Just like natural or 100% natural, it doesn't mean anything legally. So you can just stick it anywhere. And there's a lot of companies that are saying like, yes, we're eco-friendly, but at the end of the day, they are not really, they're just adding a little bamboo to their product or things like that to make it look eco-friendly and sticking into the zero waste movement or sustainability wagon, because it is a big movement that is starting to happen worldwide. But that's pretty much it. That's incredible. It's scary <laughs> as it a content creator who has this platform, who gets brands reaching out to us to make money off of it. And at the same time, you know, in my cacao ceremony this morning, the word that came through, the intention that came through is a leap. So the way that I've known to make money through brand sponsorships on Breakfast Criminals over the last six years or so, the fact that I don't, I'm putting pause on that and don't know exactly how I'm going to make money with that platform doesn't mean there is no way to make money. And I have a feeling I'm tapped into the frequency that, yes, it is possible to work with brands that are 100% aligned and with my values, with everything I stand for, and at the same time make money. Like I truly believe that as 
a consciousness as humans at this time on this planet, we're moving into a place where it is possible to be 100% aligned in our values and make a lot of money or as much money as we want to live the lifestyle that is important to us. Definitely. And I think a lot about whenever I say no to something that doesn't feel aligned, I'm actually making space for the things that really resonate to be able to reach me. And that's, in my perspective, that's the only way to do it. If I say no to something that doesn't resonate, then I make the space for things that actually resonate to appear. And a lot of people think that this isn't true and it's just like synchron not synchronicity, but it's just something that happened. But I really stick by the idea that be careful what you wish for because you might just you might just get it or something like that. Every time, Xenia, that I really put an intention in something, it happens. And I'm not putting strategy underneath it. I'm just fully hearted thinking, oh my God, this is going to happen and I just can't wait to it. Let's say I remember one day I was walking through Chelsea, listening to the podcast you did with Lavender. And I remember thinking, ah, I'm going to make a podcast with Xenia and Woken Wired one of these days. And I never put strategy behind it, you know, and it just happened. And there's so many things that just happened that way. Because I'm actually leaving space for those things to happen instead of just, okay, this other thing that doesn't feel aligned is coming my way. I'll say yes, because whatever. I've really made the decision not to do that. And it works magically. <laughs> It's insane. There's like part of me that when I want to say yes to one of these deals, literally the day before or a couple of days before I put pause on sponsored posts on March 1st, I got a brand offer with a super aligned brand, someone I've already worked with. I love and use their products all the time and they stand for the planet. Like it was such an easy thing to say yes to. And I went to like five different stores and the product, I couldn't get the product anywhere on the you know tight timeline before March 1st. And I was like, wow, like the universe is really clear. Like, no, you're doing this. You got to commit to it fully if you're choosing that vision. And you're right. Like we don't, need yes strategy can help if that's what you're craving but a lot of the times for me it works the same way i put a vision into my subconscious i do my spiritual work i'll do my personal development work i'll sit with myself in sounds i'll go in nature I'll, i'll do all the things that i need to do and it just happens it just happens like literally my, my hands will pick up the phone it will write the right post it will take the right pictures like things just happen And I don't know if this is something that happens to you, but something that often happens to me is whenever I I already put the intention out there and then I forget about it and, uh, and then I'm just focused on art making or enjoying being in nature or loving and having family time, that's whenever after a day that I had my phone off, I pick it up and the email is there and the text message with an invitation is there. and. It's just amazing because when I'm just looking at the screen thinking, oh my God, I want this to happen, nothing flows. So whenever I just let the universe do its thing, it comes back in such amazing ways. And it's just so interesting. And I think a lot of this is how we are working around the unity of the masculine and feminine energies in ourselves and in the planet and 
I feel that unity is what brings all this magic and opportunities. What do you mean by that? So I relate the masculine energy a lot with strategy, a lot with showing up and doing the work and a lot with, yeah, just that showing up, doing the work. And I relate the feminine energy with the intuitive part, the calm part, the slowing down exercises. And I feel that whenever I'm in balance in between those two, things just start flowing more freely. And that might sound a little ethereal. So to put it in actual physical things, let's say I feel that my feminine energy is the one that wants to do yoga and meditate and drink my cacao. But my masculine side is the one that really wakes me up at four in the morning and makes me able to do all these things. So I feel that I like my car is the masculine energy, but what I have inside that car is all the feminine energy. The operating system. Exactly. Does that resonate? Totally. Yeah. That's very interesting. Yeah. Mine somehow doesn't work to wake me up at four. I would love to get your tips. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, another thing I would love to get into is boundaries. Something that you shared in one of your YouTube videos is that you have very strict boundaries around how much time you spend on social media and how you don't bring your social media into the space of creating art. Can you talk more to us about both like the physical perspective of it, like literally switching off your phone, but also, you know, you mentioned you never know what kind of comments you'll get on YouTube. What are some of your energy practices around those boundaries? So talking about the physical part, I feel that as I mentioned, my artwork is very related to my inner worlds. And at the same time, I'm also nowadays doing a lot of scientific study around what I'm painting. So that takes a lot of both inner world and theoretical, scientific, biological aspect. And having my phone around just really doesn't help me or serve me be focused on what I'm creating. And I feel that then I look at my artwork and it lacks something. It's lacking presence and I can sense it. And I'm pretty sure that when people look at the artwork that I wasn't creating fully present, they can just tap into that. So in the physical aspect, whenever I'm creating, I usually turn my phone off around 10 a.m. Of course, if I know that I'm not meeting anyone and no one is going to come to my apartment during those times. So I usually just turn it off from 10 a.m. until 5 or 6 p.m that's when I stop working. And that's when I'm really able to just completely tap into my creation. And of course, sometimes I do post Instagram stories while I'm painting. And I do that from my iPad. I just post and leave the internet world. And that's really helped me to focus completely in painting. But at the same time, I respond to emails in the morning. And I'm actually able to have a lot of presence when I'm responding to emails that way and I'm fully committed and I'm able to do it faster. If I'm just with the phone around all day long, I feel that, I don't know, I'm just not present in the painting, I'm not present in the email responding and everything feels a little all over the place. So having that structure really helps my mind to be in order. Mm, that's so helpful. And you're no longer bartending, right? No, I haven't been bartending for 10 months now. So in 2017, when I decided to only have two shifts, 
And I thought that would only last for the summer. It actually lasted until July from last year, 2019. And a month or so before, I always said, okay, whenever I start getting more art commission work, I'll stop bartending and I'll try it out. But overachiever here, <laughs> I would get more commission paintings and more commission work and I would try and do it all. Bartend, do the commission artwork, do murals, do my own art project that I, I'm always doing on the side, be my own PR manager, do videos. So I was just doing all this stuff and I just got this very clear message because every day that I would show up at the bar to work, I would get so sick, Xenia, either the worst headache or stomach ache. I just, one day I got fever, but it only lasted during my shift. So it was such a clear message from my body saying, okay, you're done. This is over. This is not serving you anymore. And I decided to take the leap and it's been 10 months and I couldn't be happier with that decision. I feel that bartending was such a necessary thing in my life because I was able to feel more comfortable talking to strangers and sharing. And I'm pretty sure that if I would have never bartended, maybe I would have never stick to the YouTube channel that is bringing me so much joy. Wow, I got full body goosebumps. <laughs> so I'm pretty grateful for that opportunity that lasted five years, which were my first five years in New York. But I just had that clear message, this is not serving you anymore. And we were talking earlier about hater comments on YouTube. And every time I would share like, oh, my first six months as a full-time artist or this and that, I always get the comments about, oh, of course, your husband pays your bills and yada, 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 which is so far from the truth. But you know what? I can't be doing videos explaining to others my life situation all the time. Right. People are just projecting whatever's holding them back. You know, for me also... Being on TikTok has been an amazing exercise and having a lot of exposure and just getting a ton of comments. A lot of them are positive and there's always a couple that just don't get it. And that's exactly how I see it. There's some people that get it and they're supposed to get it. And there's some people who don't get it and they're not meant to. Or maybe, you know, like I really feel like a couple of years later, they'll come back and be like, oh, wow, now I really get it. Like, who knows? We yeah. just never know. And, you know, everyone else is going through their own journey. And I remember when that video that went viral of my art studio tour came out, I got a lot of comments of people saying, yeah, maybe you're loaded. And that's when I decided to make a comeback video saying, no, actually, this is my A Day in the Life video where I shared for the first time that I was a bartender. And that's when the comments, oh, maybe your husband pays your way started coming. And then I realized if I'm going to keep on doing comeback videos, next time it's going to be maybe your parents pay your way or, you know, people were, will always find a way to say that you aren't doing the job and that you don't deserve what you have. So I've decided not to focus on that because that's their story and they're protecting and it's fine. I'll just focus on the people that are getting inspired by what I'm creating. And I feel that's the magic of sharing. I get inspired by seeing what other creators like yourself are doing out there. And some other people get inspired by, by what I do. And I feel that's the magic of social media is that there's 
so much room to connect with people that you would have not connected to otherwise. I actually arrived to that cacao ceremony where we met because this Instagram influencer, Sally Mustang, I don't know if you know her. She's an artist. She lives in Australia and she was visiting New York and we became friends through Instagram and she invited me to the ceremony. If I would have not been open to make a friend through Instagram, I would have not come to Cacao Ceremony, which has really been in my life for two years now. And it's changed so many aspects of it. So I'm just so grateful for technology and social media because it can be such a powerful consciousness tool in our favor if we know how to use it. Oof, I love that so much. So to wrap up for now, what is <laughs> what is a piece of art? Because there will be part two that is shot at your studio and it will be a YouTube video. So stay yeah. tuned, everyone. But for now, what is a piece of art you're either working on or have worked on recently that is really feeling alive in your consciousness? And you explain your art so magically. I remember when I was in your studio, just once you hear what it is and all the layers of it, it just comes alive. So talk to us about some of your art. So right the day that I stopped bartending, I stopped bartending exactly five years from the day that I started bartending. I looked it up and I decided that I would quit that day. So that was July 9 of last year. That was my last bartending shift. And then July 10th, I started the biggest art piece that I've worked on so far, which is a 50 by 70 inch piece. And this one talks about the eukaryotic kingdoms. And that's pretty much all the living creatures, but viruses and bacteria. So all eukaryotic kingdoms are all plants, animals, fungi, and protists. And you saw this painting on my studio when you came to visit. And it's been such a fun journey working on it because I'm doing so much biological studies in order to be able to work on this piece because I'm looking at it from an evolutionary point of view. So I'm starting with the oldest fungi, plants, animals, and protists, and then growing in a timeline to see how they develop throughout the years. And also, science has come up to a point, and there's a lot of things that we don't know. Of course, we don't know every single living creature in planet Earth. And all those blank spaces are the spaces where I'm able to create all my eyes and dots magic in the painting, because I feel it's so important to also remember that there's so much that we don't know, and that's where the magic comes in. So this painting is pretty special for me, not only because I started as soon as I stopped bartending for good, but also because it's talking about, it's like my love letter to planet Earth. And when I started working on the fungi kingdom for this painting, I realized that I didn't really have a lot of information about their evolution. And that's when I decided to put that painting on pause. And I started a painting focusing only on the fungi kingdom. And that's a 30 by 30 inch painting. And I've been working on it for over a month. It's been pretty challenging because there's little information on the fungi evolution. You know, fungi have very like wobbly bodies, so they don't leave fossils. And when we don't have fossils, we don't really have a 
very clear timeline of which were the fungi that were on planet Earth earlier or not. But there's a lot of hypotheses around it. There's actually a hypothesis that says that fungi were the biggest organisms on planet Earth. And these were called the prototaxiles. And they were as big as dinosaurs. And this is in the dinosaur era. So I'm actually using all those hypotheses in my painting as well. And it's it's been such a fun journey because I'm not only tapping on their evolutionary properties, the different divisions and films of fungi. I'm also learning a lot of how they look, their toxicity properties. And it's been such an interesting journey. I just, I'm actually right now, I should be taking a residency on microbiology at SVA. Of course, that's not happening. But I just can't wait for that to start going on because I'm going to also put a lot of visuals of how the fungi look under the microscope as well as the other eukaryotic kingdoms but I just can't get enough of learning about planet earth and all the living creatures and all the magic behind them and behind us (laughs) can't get enough learning about you and how you express her through your art (laughs) this was so magical Karo we covered so much and I'm curious, before we wrap up, is there anything I didn't ask you about that you feel called to share? No, I could just talk forever with you. So let's save anything that comes up for next meeting, hopefully IRL next time. Deal. That sounds perfect. Thank you so much. Thank you. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a rating and a review on iTunes and share it with a friend who you think could benefit from the message. Find all the show notes and all the resources on WokenWired.com and also join the WokenWired podcast listener Facebook group. It's a private group where you can connect with people who are like-minded and say hello on Instagram. Find me at Woke and Wired. Stay woke, stay wired, and take three deep breaths right now.